Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place this morning. Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you mean to us. And Lord, we just pray for those people in Jerseyville today as Pastor Matt so boldly and filled with faith delivers your word. Lord, that those lives would be affected here, Father God. And Lord, we just pray that you'd also extend us the same blessing here in Waterloo that as I speak, Lord, that it'd be my lips moving, but your word supernaturally be coming out. And Father, we thank you in advance for all that you're doing in our lives, in our community, and in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, again, good morning. I'm excited to be here today. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be talking about living a legacy, living a life that leaves a legacy, because I believe that leaving a legacy into the lives of your loved ones, your family, your kids, your church, your various relationships is one of the most impactful and spiritual things that you can do. And this morning, we're going to talk about what that actually is what it means, how you go about it, what God thinks about it, and why it's even important. So this morning, I'd like to start with a question. And the question I have for all of you this morning is, what type of legacy do you want to leave? For again, your kids, your family members, your church. Because Let's be honest here this morning, and it, at some point, we will all be in the same boat. We'll have breathed our last breath, and we won't be on this earth any longer. That's never going to change. That's a fact. At some point, we are going to leave this earth, and our physical, body, physical bodies will depart this earth. So I ask you, when that day happens, when that moment happens, how do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered for the job that you have or maybe the big house that you have or the land that you own, the money that you've amassed, your career? Or are there deeper things that you believe God has called you to instill into the lives of loved ones? So the way I think about it is if who I am, if who I am as a person just dies off when I'm gone and passed, what's been my life's real value? So the way we need to think about it is for my own personal life. Who I am has to be transferred into other people. And for my life, that's transferring into my wife and into my kids. And I believe we all have these deeper things that God has called us to do that we can instill into the lives of of our loved ones. And this message today, it's, it's serious of nature because it's important. But what I'm going to talk about today is really meant to encourage you and to motivate you to see your life maybe bigger than maybe what you've viewed it before. That there are other people depending on you, literally depending on you, to live your life in the way that God has called you to live. See, the question really isn't, are you going to leave a legacy? The question is, what type of legacy 
are you going to leave? Is it going to be for the betterment of your loved ones? Or is it just going to be a life filled with average that doesn't really matter? Are you going to leave a legacy filled with spiritual truths, biblical truths instilled into the lives of your loved ones and the others around you that will pass on from generation to generation? Or is it going to be just a legacy of just getting by? I could have, should have, would have if I had to do it over again. Well, as you all know, there are no do-overs. There are no take-backs, no take. I want to do it again. This is the one life, the one opportunity that God has blessed us with. And I believe this question of legacy is important because it was important to Jesus. Jesus left us the greatest legacy of all time, and that's the gift of eternal life. So I believe today that if living a life of a legacy is important to Jesus, it should be important to us as well. I'm going to start with, if you have your Bibles here, you can turn it to chapter 14 of the book of Luke. Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, Jesus uses the analogy of a tower. But he's really not talking about building a tower. He's talking about building a life. He's helping us get some simple spiritual truths that are, help us move forward in living a life. And what's in, in, interesting is that he talks about finishing well. Because I'm here to tell you that for most of us, for really all of us, life isn't really about how you start or how you are in the middle. It's about how you finish. And that's why in this passage Jesus mentions that in order to build a tower, you have to count the costs first. You have to count the cost before you get, begin to build. You have to build your life with the end in mind. Back to a tower example, nobody builds a tower without knowing what the final tower is going to look like, right? I mean, I'm not a builder or a carpenter, but if you're a carpenter, you just don't start cutting up wood, do you? You've got a plan. You've probably started with the end in mind. And that's one of the things that Jesus is telling us here today. And if this thought of a legacy is, is, is new or you're thinking, you know, I don't really know what that is, a legacy is something that you create. A legacy is something that you are in control of. Too many times in our lives we get, we get sidetracked or thrown off track because of all this other stuff that's going on in the world. We get caught, we get caught up in you know, religious semantics, are we caught up in political things? And none of that, none of that really has any bearing in your life. That's just noise in the outside world. We are called by God to do great things, and each one of us has a very personal calling for God, and that we need to create that. And I think many times in our life, we have these defining moments in our life that changes things for us. There's things in life, there's opportunities that God sends our way that marks our life. And I'll give you an example from my own life. 
This was when my daughter, she's not here today, but she's 20 now. And this was probably when she was about three months old. We went to a family birthday party, get together, and I had her in the little car seat carrier that you carry. And I went into the back room of my aunt's house as I walked in this party, went into the back room, and I set, set her down to take my coat off. And my little cousin, who was five or six at the time, was in that back room with one of her little friends, who was probably five or six at the time. And the friend looked at me, and she asked my cousin, who is that guy? Now, in any other normal day, my cousin would have said, well, that's my cousin, Mike. But that's not what she said this day. As I sat my three-month-old daughter down, and this little girl asked my cousin, who is that guy? My cousin looked at me and said, that's Brooke's dad. And you laugh, but something happened to me that day that literally marked my life forever. By that little five, six-year-old girl saying, that's Brooke's dad, something happened to me that I knew that right then, my life was never going to be the same. That somehow, whatever I was thinking at the time, probably what I had to do to work the next day or how, what was my career projection or how much money I was going to make, suddenly had no value to me whatsoever. Now, obviously, those things are still important. You still have to live your life. But there was no really eternal value. From that day on, I knew I was Brooke's dad. And then the other boys came along, obviously. But at that point, I knew that my life, it wasn't about me. My life suddenly had a, had a larger importance to me. And at that point, I knew that I had to live my life in a certain way. I had to contend for certain spiritual truths for my own life so that when I'm gone, they would be instilled into the lives of my kids. Those things suddenly became important. We all have those certain things in your life. Maybe it's family. I'm going to talk about it in relation to my kids and family because that, that's just where I am in my life right now. You may not, so it might be different. But everybody has these defining moments in your life. Everybody has these spiritual markers in their life. Like my family. My family doesn't happen by accident. Your calling for your life doesn't just happen by accident. And I hear people, and I take this as a huge compliment, people that know us, they might come and say, boy, your family is your family's great. They seem to love each other. You have such a good relationship. You do things together. Man, how lucky are you? And I, I do appreciate the comment, but then I'm also, I'm thinking to myself, lucky? Are you kidding me? Luck has nothing to do with it. You know how long and hard my wife and I have worked at this? And I know your parents are shaking their head. Yeah, I know. Right? It's hard. We've poured our entire life into this. So the fact of the matter, we have good results, so to speak. It wasn't by accident. This is a carefully thought-out plan. When my wife and I started to build this tower of a family, so to speak, you better believe we counted the cost. There were things in our lives that we had to maybe put off. 
There were things in our lives that we had to maybe not, not, not take advantage of anymore, of opportunities maybe. Sometimes we have to temporarily put on, on hold maybe personal dreams that we have so that larger spiritual things like God's calling can start to stir up in our lives. Because how many of those maybe temporary dreams in your life are you willing to set aside for things that will carry on for generations, for things that will affect other people and stand the test of time? So the question isn't really, are you going to leave a legacy? It's what type of legacy are you going to live? And just to put this into context, when you talk about maybe passing on and leaving things for others, what is the, the word you predominantly hear is inheritance, right? Oh, I'm leaving an inheritance, or I received an inheritance. And inheritance is totally different than legacy. An inheritance might be what you want, because usually it comes with some money. But a legacy is really what you need. Because an inheritance is something that's just given to somebody. A legacy is something that's instilled in somebody, deep down inside. An inheritance is something that brings another person temporary happiness or temporary pleasure. An inheritance eventually fades away. If I receive an inheritance of money, let me tell you, I'm going to figure out a way to spend it, and I'm not going to have it anymore. A legacy is totally different. A legacy is something you place inside of others. A legacy permanently transforms them. And a legacy lives on forever, generation after generation after generation. These relationships we have with people, the relationships I have with my sons, it's not a transactional relationship. You do this, I do this, I love you for this, I love you for that. It's not transactional. It's transformational. Right? My goal in life, one of them, is to transform my kids and leave them a legacy that they will be able to carry on for the rest of their lives and instill into the lives of somebody else. We have to count the cost and live with the end in mind. We have to live like there's nothing left. We don't get a do-over. Psalms 49, 17 says, For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. We have to be focused on things that endure for lifetimes. We can't be consumed with things that are just temporary. You know, my wife and I, I think most of you know, because I think we had a child here a few weeks ago, our foster parents. And this is just one of the ways, we didn't do it for this, this is just one of the ways that we're able to leave a legacy and show, instill things into our kids that we wouldn't have the opportunity to do. And when we got into the, uh, the uh, being foster parents, I kind of had two, two rules. Two rules before that. Number one was we can be a foster family, but I don't want to adopt any kids. And 
my wife and I kind of disagree on this, on this point or how I'm going to share it. But my reason for not wanting to adopt a kid is that I have literally, I have given every ounce of who I am into raising my three kids. I mean, I, I mean I, one of the things I know for sure for my life, I can, I can tell you with 100% honesty, I'm telling you right now, now I may screw it up as a dad sometimes, and I do just like everybody else does, but I know for 100% fact that when, my, when I, on my deathbed, I'm going to look back at the way I raised my kids, and I'm going to say I left it all on the field. There wasn't anything that I could have ever given more of. There wasn't any more energy, whatever, emotional energy, physical energy, spiritual energy. I'm not saying I did it perfect. Probably screwed up more times than not. But when I leave this earth, one thing I will be sure of is I gave it everything I had. So that's one of the reasons, or that's one of the things that going into this, I said, I, I don't have the, I don't have it. I mean, all of me is in my three kids. I don't have room for anything else. Now, here's where she doesn't really like when I say that because I've, but, and this is true, obviously, if God called us to adopt another child, we would. Is that fair enough? Does that do okay? All right, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. All right. I don't want to get in trouble when I get home. And the second one, I always said, well, great, we can have a foster child, but I'm never going to put that foster child above my kids, above doing something for my kids. So the very first time, I thought I was trying to be a good dad, right? But the very first time we got a call, we were getting ready to go to the Lake of the Ozarks for like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, long weekend or something, and Thursday they call and say, hey, we have an opportunity to have a foster child. And Christy said, great, hey, we got to, she comes home, or I came home for her, she said, hey, we're going to pick up a baby tomorrow. Are you okay with that? I said, nope. <laughs> She's like, what are you talking about? I said, we're going to the lake tomorrow. I said, I am not sacrificing my three kids, you know, weekend-long vacation for that kid. Right? So, I mean, I know some of you are looking at me like, you're a jerk. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to, I was trying to protect my kids, Right? So finally, I was like, hey, if the kids want to do it, but I'm telling you right now, they're not going to want this kid. They're going to go on. They want to go. <laughs> they they want to go to the lake. And they were little at the time. Well, sure enough, as usual, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so they, Christy said to the kids, hey, we have this kids, but we're not going we're gonna to have this foster baby, but we're not going to. I don't think we're going to go because we're going to lake. Well, the kids threw a fit. What? We don't want to go to the lake. We don't even like the lake. We don't like water. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm exaggerating that. But they were like. <laughs> They were like, we don't want to go to the lake. We want to stay home. So obviously I was outvoted. And then we end up going three weeks later. See, you sure, do, you want to, do you want to talk? But my point is, we've had 27, 28, I don't even know how many we've had. But those are life lessons has learned more things by taking care of, the, of that child when we have them. I mean, it, it would blow you away. This is not my message today, but I'll give you one, one example of just, I guess it's God's goodness or greatness or bigness. I don't know. I don't even know what an example of. But I will say this, that when we have those child, those kids that come in, whether they're a baby or especially, say, like the toddlers when we have toddlers, if you just love them, 
the, one of the major things I've learned is just the power of love. You might have a child or a person that maybe has never felt love before, and if you just show them genuine love, I'm not talking for days or years. I'm talking for a matter of minutes. Somehow, and I don't, I don't know how this is, and this is not medical science. This is just me up here blabbing. I, that, that somehow, people have got to be wired. Jesus has got to have created somehow that people can understand what real, genuine love is, and it somehow changes their entire complexion, their entire outlook on life, the way they view life, and more importantly, the way they view themselves. The power of love is an amazing thing. Your family, the people in your life, they need you to live out this legacy. They need you to live this way. And before I go any further, I just want to make sure this point, because I, I actually spoke this message in Jerseyville last week, and somebody came up to me after a service and said, man, that was a great message. I wish I had heard that 25 years ago. So as you're listening to me, to me today, don't worry that you didn't hear this 25 years ago. Don't worry that you didn't hear it 30 years ago. Don't worry that you hear it five years ago. You heard it today, and the reason... There's a reason that you heard it today. Because this person that said, I wish I heard it 25 years ago, was thinking to himself, boy, I screwed up things for 25 years. That's not the way Jesus wants us to view our lives. I'd encourage you to view your life in terms of, what can I do today? How can I honor God today by living my life? How can I glorify God today by living my life? I'll leave you three keys to living a spiritual legacy. And these are very simple. I usually break things down into as simple as I can so that I personally can understand things. But I think that there are three very important keys to leaving a spiritual legacy. Number one, a desire to follow Jesus. See, I told you this is real simple. I, I believe that life in general is pretty simple. I believe in life in general, there are only a few things, there are only a handful of things that you really need to get right. And if you get these things right, the rest of it just kind of all works itself out. You may have, you may have stress over it, you may have anxiety over it, you may have fear over it, but that's another message, but it just works itself out. If you have a few core principles of this being one of them, the desire to follow Jesus, things tend to work out. So number one is a desire to follow Jesus. Number two is a reverence for God's word. A reverence for God's word. This book is an all-powerful book. This book is the answer to any question in your life. I don't care how obscure you think the question is. I don't, think, I don't care if you're the only person in the world that you think is going through whatever your particular problem or issue is. But this book contains the answer. We have to have a reverence for God's word and a reverence for what God says in here. Number three, an understanding of how to listen to the Lord. An understanding of how to listen to the Lord. And the key to any relationship, one of the major keys is communication. 
correct? The communication, in order, in order to have good communication, sorry, I can't talk this morning. In order to have good communication, you have to be a great listener, whether it's in a worldly relationship or if it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And most people aren't great listeners. It's a proven fact. I'm not the best listener, so don't think I'm saying I'm a good listener. But most people aren't very good listeners because they listen to respond, right? So if I give you an example, my wife and I just had this last night. She was talking about something. She was telling me something, and I was trying to talk as she was talking. And she said, no, 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 let me finish, right? What was I doing? I was listening to respond to whatever she was saying. At least I was listening, right? That should be. (laughs) I was listening to respond. We do that all the time, right? But here's the key in listening. We need to get to the point where we're listening to understand. There's a big difference between listening to respond and listening to understand. When we're on our prayer time with Christ and we're listening to him, sometimes in your prayer time you don't have to do all the talking. Matter of fact, probably some of your best prayer times are when you're not doing all the talking. But I would encourage you when you're in your prayer time, listen to what God's telling you to understand what he's actually saying. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, well, God doesn't speak to me. Well, first of all, God speaks all the time. God speaks clearly all the time. And God speaks directly into your life all the time. And he's doing that to me all the time. The issue is, is I'm not listening all the time. But if you have that problem, you say, well, God doesn't speak to me. I'll give you a little trick. And James is tired of hearing about my trick, I'm sure. This is, <laughs> this is half joke, half serious. But most Bibles, the stuff that Jesus has said are in red. Anybody have a Bible like that? You know, there's parts in red. Well, Jesus said it. Well, here's the trick. If you think that Jesus doesn't speak to you or that Jesus isn't speaking today or directly to you, find one of those Bibles with red, Jesus' words. Read those, read, flip to the Bible to any red words at all. You read the red words out loud, and then guess what happens? Jesus is there speaking to you. Try it. It's not a joke. I'm being serious. Come on. Some, I know it's 65 degrees. We're, we're, getting, we're getting there. These spiritual things are important. Hey, for my life, I've talked about the examples of, of my kids and my family. I'm telling you right now, I believe God's called me to do great things, as he, as he has each and every one of you. My number one responsibility, the most important job I believe that I will ever have in my life is be a husband to my wife and a father to my three kids. That's the most important job I'll ever have. The most spiritual job, hey, and I'm a pastor at church, I get it. The most spiritual job I will ever have, ever have, is to be a husband to my wife and a father to my three kids. And I'll prove it to you. Because there might be some people thinking, oh, you're a pastor at church. Don't you think you should put the church first? No. Here's why. Real easy answer to that question. Real easy answer to that question. If I can't lead my family, if I can't lead my family, do you think I'm qualified to help lead a church? If I can't lead my family, 
if I can't do that, why would you want me to lead a church? It doesn't work that way. And so many times, sometimes I'll run across people that, that, that are having struggles with things, and they'll say, well, I, I have a generational curse on my family. I just can't get over. I have a generational curse. And I'm not making light of that. All I will, and I'm saying that stuff does exist, but I would, I would just say this. If that happens to be you sitting out there, number one, the, 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 the only way to change anything in your life or the only way to take a step forward is, is number one, is having self-aware awareness that something going on is being self-aware. So if you are self-aware enough to think or to know or whatever, however you want to say it, that you have a generational curse going on in your life, here's the deal. Flip it around. Create a legacy. Create a generational blessing. If you think you, you, you have a generational curse, the Bible doesn't believe in that. But what the Bible does believe, what the Bible does teach you to do, and what the Bible does talk about is creating a generational blessing for you, your family, and generations to come. I mean, this is important stuff for our families and our loved ones. Because if you don't fill the void in their life of living and leaving a legacy, somebody else will. Something else will. Some organization will. For our kids in here today, if I, if I don't step on to do my responsibility, who's going to fill that responsibility? Some talking head on TV, some new Facebook, Snapchat star, some new app, some new whatever. That void will be filled. Somebody will be speaking into their life. I think one of the greatest examples in the Bible of this is the life of Paul. And I think he has some just awesome statements in what it means to live a legacy. And I think Paul is also a great example of somebody because he didn't do it right in the beginning. Right? He was a killer of Christians. He was not a Christian. Not was he not only not a Christian, he was a killer of Christians against everything. And then he had this awesome encounter with Christ. And here's what I tell you today, one of the things about Paul. Is the same personality traits, the same skill sets, however you want to say this, the same thing that made him a great non-Christian or a killer of Christians are the same personality traits, the same skill sets, the same demeanor that made him one of the all-time great Christians ever. And I say that because we do this all the time, right? We, we think that sometimes we think that we're not good enough. We think that God can't use us because we, we put ourselves in a box and we say, God's not going to do this through me because I can't do this, I can't do that, or my personality is this, my personality is that, my skill set is this. I'm here to tell you that whatever those things you think are negatives in your life about your personality or the way you go about things. Now, obviously, if they're immoral, that needs to be changed. But I'm just talking about everyday things. Those things that you think aren't going to measure up. I'm telling you, those are the same personality traits. They're the same skill sets that God is going to use through you to build his kingdom. That's just the way it is. And I know that's a tough point to say because and to get people to believe. But you were created for a reason. You were created for a specific person. Who do you think created you to be that way? Jesus Christ has equipped us with everything you will ever need. Here's what, it's, here's what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. 
Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but, to, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, I'm not going to give you all the details of Paul's life because it doesn't really matter. What you need to be concerned about is the details of your life and what God has called you to do. But in this set of scriptures, Paul, ha- Paul says three things that I think are just totally powerful and impacting. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. If, you look, if we look at these three individually real quick, I fought the good fight. Hey, let's face it. Life is a fight. Life is a battle. Life is tough. And we go through tough stuff sometimes. And many times we go through life because we think, we think with Jesus everything's already been paid for, and it has been. But there are still decisions that we need to make on a daily basis. And I'm telling you right now that the choices we make right now is what defines our life. Because the choices we make, the decisions that we make, those are the only indicator, back to Luke, that's the only indicator of what that tower looks like. The choices we make, the decisions we make on a daily basis, those are the only indicators of what our life is really like. But again, when we talk about Jesus, we say, well, Jesus paid it all. And everything's always been paid, already paid for, so we don't have to do anything. That's a misunderstanding of grace and what grace actually is. Grace is the concept that you are loved unconditionally. Grace is the concept that nothing you will ever do will get you outside of God's love, which is 100% true. But what grace is not, grace is not a loophole to get you out of making decisions. Grace is not a loophole to get you out of making choices and making hard choices, and working hard. And this is necessary to do what God has called us to do. We have to count the costs. These are spiritual things that we battle. Our lives are spiritual. Many times we say, okay, well, how's, what am I going to do with my, my, my job and my career and my kids and my, my non-church life? And what about my church life over here? Well, that's where we get screwed up because it's really all one and the same. Life is a spiritual battle, a spiritual journey. Finishing the race, we need to make sure that we're neither disqualified or disheartened by the things that we go through. Because, again, the battle is spiritual. John 10.10 says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That right there is the dichotomy between good and evil. Right and wrong. Man, that should be the battle cry of our life. Hey, we live in a crazy world, but I try to tell my kids all the time, because a lot of people with kids my age say, oh my gosh, what's, what are my kids going to have to deal with in 20, 30 years? Here's what I always say. This Bible never changes. The world can get crazier and crazier and crazier, but here's all I know about that. Right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. Biblical is always going to be biblical. And unbiblical is always going to be unbiblical. If my kids, your kids, myself, yourself, and we, if we can live our lives by the standards of excellence this, this Bible lays out, no matter what time of, of 
worldly events we're living in, no matter what the context, we will always, always be okay. We will always succeed. We will always be able to live a legacy based on the words of Jesus Christ. The last one, keeping the faith. I believe that faith plus truth is the game changer, right? This word, this word is an all-powerful truth, all-powerful, never-changing. Now, this word, as powerful it is, is, as game-changing as it is, as strong as it is, as life-giving as it is, it only works in my life if I have faith that it works. It only works in my life if I believe it. It only works in my life if, I, if I, what I read in this book, if I actually carry it out day by day by day, and I make decisions and choices that enhance that. God paid the price for us, the ultimate price for heaven. But God paid the price for our forgiveness and our freedom. The thought, the simple thought that you're not going to pay any price as you walk through your calling is simply not true. See, faith sometimes, in some people and in some situations, faith creates an apathy. Because we think, oh, if we have faith, everything's going to happen. If we have faith, suddenly I'm going to want something and I'm going to happen. We have faith that if I want that new car, I'm going to print out that new car, put it on a magnet on my refrigerator, and I'm going to get it. It don't work that way. You can put whatever you want on your refrigerator. Faith somehow creates, somehow in some way creates that apathy. Because we want things suddenly. We think we sing this song about a miracle working God, and that's who we serve. We serve a miracle working God, not a magician. Sometimes we want a magician. We serve an all powerful, ever working God. And again, if, if you're hearing some of this stuff and thinking, boy, I wish I would have learned that 20 years ago, 5 years ago, 10 years ago. The important thing is you learned it now. And life isn't about how you start, how you end up in the middle. Life's about how you finish. And I believe we have a generation of people that we're going to finish well. Because I don't care what age you're here right now, your best days, your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. I don't care what you've accomplished in the past or what you haven't accomplished in the past. Your best days are ahead of you. This isn't self-help. I didn't read an article. This stuff is in the Bible. This is God's truth. You don't have to believe me. You have to believe him. We are finishers in this church. And what's interesting about Paul, when he comes to the end of his life, because he counted the cost, Paul makes no mention of any of his accomplishments. He makes no mention of the places he visited. He makes no mention of the letters he wrote. He makes no mention of the missionary trips, no mention of the people that saved. makes no mention of any of that. He just said those three simple statements. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I kept the faith. And Paul understood that in various times in his life, 
Sometimes he had to be a soldier in the fight. Sometimes we have to be soldiers in the fight. Sometimes we have to be athletes in the race. We got to keep going. And sometimes we have to be guardians over our faith. And I come across people from time to time, they've been committed Christians for years sometimes. And something happens in their life, and they're knocked off track, and you just never, you never hear from them again. I'm just not talking about a, a guy that walks into church every once in a while. I'm talking about people that have been Christians for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. They have something happen. Maybe it's a death in the family. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe they lost their job. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's broken relationships. All things that are very valid. They're very valid. But we have to keep going. All valid reasons, and we'll all have them. Because, hey, in lots of ways, we're all the same. We've either gone through the battle, we're in the middle of the battle, or we're going to be in the battle. And it'd be nice if you only were in one of them. But guess what? You're probably going to experience all three. All three. But remember, in those times, we have to contend for our faith. In those times, we have to be a soldier in the fight. What's going to happen when you get knocked down. Mike Tyson, the heavyweight champion of the world, used to be. Everybody know who Mike Tyson is? You know, he's got one of the all-time great quotes in my mind, and it's very spiritual. Mike Tyson will say, everybody has a plan. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. How true, Right? Everybody's got a plan. Hey, I had a plan this morning when I prepared my message. Then I walked out here and I looked up and, oh, my gosh, there's people out there. Now i got to do it. Or Winston Churchill, he said it this way. If you're going through hell, keep going. If you're going through hell in your life, if you're going through a battle, don't just... Don't just stand there and burn. Keep going. Keep moving. If you have an issue you're trying to overcome, don't run away from God. Run to God. And if for some reason, not to offend you, but if for some reason you're a season in your life where you're running away from God, I guess my question is, how's that working out for you? Probably not very well. James, you can come up. And as we close this morning, I think here's three questions we need to ask ourselves. You'll start to kind of get the vibe of how I roll. I love to ask questions. And here's why I like to ask questions. Because what God has called you to do in your life as individuals, I don't know what that is. I have no idea. 
Nobody does. Only, only you know the answer to that. I just ask questions to people to hopefully to get them to think. Because the only people that have the answer, you're the only person that has the answer to your life. You can go get pastoral help, maybe some spiritual counseling. You can talk to a prayer partner. You can have a mentor. All those things are fabulous things. Fabulous things. But at the end of the day, those people have absolutely no control over your life. The only person that has control of your life is you. The three questions are, have you made up your mind to finish the race? Have you made up your mind to finish the race? Have you made up your mind to fight the good fight? Have you made up your mind to keep the faith?